What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? What does it take to change the world? This is the Swell Podcast. We're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who've ventured out into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, or disruptive. In today's episode, we chat with Brent Alverd, co-founder and CEO of Mighty Labs, who are on a mission to align entire organizations, where not only is the right work happening to drive important objectives, but also that everyone is aware of what's happening around them and why, and that every person understands how their work impacts the organization and feels purpose and meaning in that work. We chat with Brent, a self-proclaimed purpose nerd, about the idea of purpose, alignment, and how he and the team at Mighty Labs are delivering on Mighty's mission. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast, sign up to our newsletter at theswellpod.com, and get in on the conversation through all of the major socials at The Swell Pod. Our first season is made in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space solutions for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump around a couple of things here. Josh, if you could give us an intro about what Swell does to Brent, and then I'm gonna, that gives Brent just some time to, to share your backstory, really, about what... Um, what this company does, right? Um, and then we might kind of go, go into a little bit about, you know, what motivates you and why, why, you know, why this problem? Why did you, you know, seek out this problem to solve? Uh, but yeah, Josh. Uh, yeah, so the Swell Creative, we, we look at the experience of change, um, the moments of change within organizations, um, cultural, strategic, uh, brand, when companies are going through these pivotal change moments, we look at it from a, I guess, a human-centered approach and how we can create the, the actual connected experience from pr- current behaviors to, to future behaviors that match, I think, the, the, the ideal change that the company wants to see. So a lot of what we do is um, cultivating the touch points. So we, we build the strategy for it, but then we cultivate and create the touch points along that journey. So that can be uh, pretty much anything creative. It can be experiential. It can be content. It can be rituals, symbols, stuff like that. But we build that cohesive, connected uh, journey towards change. Interesting. <clears throat> so you advise companies on uh, on uh, it sounds like a, a broad a broad array of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's. But well, focused we, on kind of internal culture, is that what you would, I guess, kind of center it around? Yeah, that's that's been our work so far, is a lot of culture work. So um, some of our previous clients, like new CEOs come in and they're changing the, the, you know, the purpose, their mission and their values of the company. And, and so that comes with new behaviors, new, you know, just different ways of working. And so we, we kind of go in, we do deep discovery. Um, customer empathy, we start to really understand, I think, what's at the core of, of the company, what needs to change. And yeah, we, may, we, we build a strategy with the client um, and make suggestions and present ultimately what is, what is that change journey. I think that's great. I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, 
I'm a bit of a purpose nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Myself. Like I, it's actually one of the, one of the real driving, I think forces behind why I started mighty. Um, it may, it may not make perfect sense to you if you see our product today, but I believe this is a very long-term, uh, long-term play around kind of what the future of, of an organization looks like. And to me, it's a, the, the, the future really is one where an individual's purpose is manifest in a, in a really meaningful way through the work they do. The, the, the really challenging thing for organizations is how, not just how to capture that, but how to make sure that 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 work that's happening that is ideally like a person's you know life's work is also in alignment with the value that needs to be created for an organization and that kind of connection that kind of deep connection between the individual and the organization uh, is i think really hard to really hard to channel and so um but i think the unifying kind of theory, if you will, it, it is one that's all around purpose. And I, and I think if an or most, I think many organizations, um, you know, don't think maybe as deeply as they should around like what, what their purpose uh, really is. And I think if they can nail that, so many things sort of fall out from there. Um, I, I talk to organizations a lot around whether it's a consumer company, um, you know, looking at expanding into new product lines or a software company looking at a new feature. Almost every decision that I think, you know, needs to be made can be and should be kind of checked against that that purpose and that mission. And um, it's sort of this like self-healing kind of course correction, I think is, is the role that purpose should have in a person's life at the individual level and in an organization's uh, life. Yeah. Well, and that's so interesting because I think that that's where I find a strong connection. Actually, what's really interesting to what, what I saw, at least from my brief look into Mighty Labs. And, and I think at the root of what we're trying to do, you know, we look at change, you know, not as something that's, I guess, prescribed, but something that's believed and, you know, taking kind of like this, this different approach to change management, you know, to be, you know, kind of go from like this idea of a bulldozer plowing through your organization to more of a seed that, it's planted deeply within the individual. And I think that's really what we're striving for. And, and so when I saw Mighty Labs and I saw things like, you know, personal timelines and how individual work connects back up to the, the overarching goals and the vision of, of the company. And that's kind of, I think I, I see Mighty Labs and, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but I see Mighty Labs as being that connection, as you mentioned, right, to, to, that, to that individual finding the purpose in their work, I guess, and aligning back to that company. And I, I was I was personally connected to that, but yeah, I, it, tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me all about Mighty Labs, and tell me, <laughs> you know, tell me. I hope uh, what so. I mean, that's where. Say. Yeah, I hope so. That's that's really where we want to go. Is you know, we think that um, I think the best ideas, the knowledge, and the work of an organization should be connected through more than serendipity. That I, I think that a, a person should understand how their work matters. It's been a long journey, honestly, like where we started um, was a little bit in a different area, which was um, 
kind of trying to find uh, build a, a product that um, that could align individuals to work that they found meaningful inside of an organization, uh, you know, big organizations. Um, what we discovered, I think, in talking to a lot of organizations is, is that they already don't understand what work is happening inside the organization and, uh, and where value is being created and how value is being created by people or teams or groups um, and, and introducing any sort of staffing uncertainty on top of that was, was challenging for, for folks. So this concept of alignment, I think first has to start with like how value is being created in an organization today. And if you can start to really capture those kind of vectors of, of value and, and energy within an organization, then you can kind of start to channel it um, in, in new and interesting ways. And so we kind of had to, we almost kind of started too far out here and needed to back up and find those, those kind of vectors of, of value first, understand how that value is aligned, that work is aligned to value creation. And if you can do that successfully, then you can start to find new and creative ways to channel um, uh, that energy of, of people and teams in, in ways that, that augment value. Um, so it's been a journey. I think uh, where, where, where we are now is I think finally figuring out, um, you know, how to measure, um, how to measure that value, measure the energy being kind of deployed against certain types of work, capture the themes of work happening in an organization. And um, so, but the long-term kind of vision has always remained the same, which is really, really deeply align individuals and, and the organization in, in, a, in really meaningful ways. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Sorry, Josh, go on. No, go for it, yeah. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. And I don't know whether that's something you include in your kind of your elevator pitch as you as you talk to new new, new oh. customers um, <laughs> or whether you just oh, hone in on I can't, the... You can't talk to that. Like, look, I, I tried like when I first started, you know, I mean, I think understanding product marketing is uh, very different than where I started as, as you can imagine with, with, with my background. Like, yeah. you can't sell religion you know, to an organization, you have to solve a real problem. And, um, and, you, you know, you, you can sell against a problem and deliver religion later, maybe, but like, you know, you can uh, something very tangible, very tactical, they've got to feel it, want it, be screaming about it. And, um, and then the product can kind of evolve to achieve uh, different types of purpose i think yeah no that makes total sense and so today can you just remind us then what how is what is your pitch today with the platform that you have in in i think it's more than beta right you're actually you know you you got customers using the product what what, what is yeah, your kind of 60 second thing yeah i mean it's all about understanding um where an organization's energy is focused uh where where teams and and groups within uh, particularly product and engineering, where they're focused. I think the the challenge with alignment these days is that teams are highly dynamic, super cross-functional. Um, work is buried in layers of tools that 
um, are great at the team level. Like they, they really help organize and, you know, manage projects. Um, but those tools really, really, um, are disconnected from each other and they're disconnected kind of through the organization. You have pretty good visibility at the team level of what work is happening and why and what the priorities are. But once you get to kind of senior manager, director, VP level, you really, it really breaks down. There's, there's really no kind of 20, 30,000 foot view of, of what's happening in my organization, like where teams are focused. And so the way they solve this today is through a lot of manual work, um, mm. spreadsheets, Google Docs, slide decks, um, and a lot of meetings to understand, you know, are we focused on the right work? Um, how are things progressing? Are our teams kind of scattered uh, on, on different types of initiatives or, you know, how focused are we? And does, does that focus of our organization today match what we need to be focused on? So we give that, that glimpse into an organization's uh, focus, like where, they're, where, they're, where their energy is being deployed today and enable leadership to really, uh, I think, course correct a lot faster. Yeah, no, I see, I see what you mean. So, and so it sounds like, I mean, this, this platform could be great for any size company, but certainly for the corporate that has hundreds of teams. Um, yeah, and, and you know, most of these teams are using Agile. Um, therefore, they probably choose their own tools. So they probably don't just have Jira, right? They have Rally, they have dozens of different tools. And therefore, you, you, you're really trying to solve that problem of the visibility is very difficult um, across all those teams because they're even using different tools. So I saw a dashboard, I think um, a dashboard that had lots of different views of teams and teams of teams and and just a, a kind of a sense of kind of um, like where they're focused, right? Where their time is actually being spent. Um, what, what type of, what, what type of reactions are you getting from people um, positive and also negative? Like, you know, do they feel like they're being watched like big brother? <laughs> um, maybe they're working on innovation in the background, um, but they don't really want people to know that because maybe it doesn't align to the current projects. I don't know. Just tell me what, what your, what the sentiments you're getting both positive and constructive. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, First of all, I think tooling at the team level, you know, can be improved on the margins, but I think tooling at the executive level is, is really broken. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, BI tools out there, but we're talking about like the actual work that's happening. And, you know, a lot of it is how you frame, you know, we're not monitoring anybody. We're, we're calculating energy right? Proprietary algorithms that go in and understand the kind of per system, what it means to be, uh, you know, working on something. And, and then we find the themes of that work that are, that are happening across systems. And um, you can search at the individual level, but the, but the, the way that you try to frame it is, you know, through uh, concept of recognition and value creation, not, not one of, of monitoring. I mean, I think, I think um, organizations need to uh, be more transparent about 
how value is being created, not not less. And I think if you can create that kind of layer of visibility that, that bridges teams and work and effort that's happening in an organization, I think engagement increases because people understand kind of how their work ties into the bigger the bigger view of an organization and the organization's purpose. Um, I think they get recognized uh, more easily uh, for for their contributions. I think that the company just operates better. Yeah. It's very so, easy. Mm-hmm. You know, these teams, it's very easy. I mean, you mentioned Agile, you mentioned these kind of, you know, remote world distributed teams, mm-hmm. really fractured tooling. You know, there's, uh, it's very easy in, in that scenario, like in the modern world to, to get kind of distracted or, or, or kind of veer into, um, into waters that don't, you know, that don't create the value that, that should be uh, the focus, right? And so um, I think that uh, it, it's incumbent upon an individual and it's incumbent upon the organization to, to work hard as like constant focus. That, that focus on purpose is, is hard to do because you get pulled in so many different directions. So. Yeah, I guess I get that sense. So you're so it isn't just looking at kind of where people are spending their time though. It's it's actually their sentiment. Yeah. As well. A, time is just one minor factor of it. So it's more about the sentiment of their you say energy level. Like what can you can you talk us through a kind of a an example of what whether it's a leader or you know a typical employee using your tool and what insights it, it gives them um, around kind of the energy level or the sentiment, you know, just to bring that to life. Yeah. Sentiment's the wrong word. Um, the the, ener- the way I think about energy, you, you can quantify like how much effort is going into a theme of work. So if you have a whole bunch of different teams, some in Jira, some in Asana, some in Trello or, or, different areas working on on different projects well it's often very hard to understand how those things come together um we were talking to a chief product officer the other day who you know it's a goal-driven organization but oftentimes you know a company's okrs don't you know okrs are great for managing kind of big you know big strategic direction and measuring and delivering kind of accountability, particularly reporting to bosses and to the board and investors. What they're not great at and where there's this kind of disconnect is like what's actually happening on the ground. It's this kind of maker versus manager problem. Um, And what we're trying to do is kind of help dovetail some of those things. So as an example, talking to his chief product officer the other day, and going through some of the themes that we found, you know, they have an OKR about expanding into new geographies. Well, um, what work is happening to drive that is is a question that's very hard to answer without a lot of meetings and tracking spreadsheets and this and that. Um, well, we found you can find patterns of language in their systems that say, like the word Vietnamese was all over the place. And you can see how many people are working on things related to Vietnamese, how much time is being put against that, um, 
how much code is being pushed against that how how many you know story points or like all these different factors go into kind of the the algorithm to calculate you know energy um, but you can sh you can show vietnamese is a cluster is a concept that's happening throughout these systems and you can show like it's waiting versus um you know Im improving uh the onboarding flow was 10x what improving the onboarding flow is right so the question that a leader should ask themselves is is that the right balance right is my organization kind of balanced in the right way we've seen other times where themes kind of splinter where you start getting vietnamese improving onboarding flow uh, ui improvements um, devops rebuild you know rebuild back end to better enable project you know x and that kind of scattering over time is a, is a good indicator of kind of losing focus but it's very hard to see any of that in, in quarterly kind of okr reporting right so the question is like how do you see that now well today you rely on people you rely on tracking spreadsheets but even those aren't really like at the thematic level so i think the i think technology has progressed to the point where where um organizations should have a sense of 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 what we're talking about like where where their organization is focused uh without having to spend hours and hours every i mean managers literally spend eight to ten hours a week just crafting re various reports for mm -hmm. people above them and it just keeps going on and on and on right so there's uh there's this kind of underlying management tax that organizations is just this this load-bearing cost that organizations have because of this lack of visibility and um i think you can i think you can solve that yeah you it's a hard problem yeah. are you find are you finding um it's interesting with with everything through covid you know from what we've seen a lot of companies are you know are, are pivoting trying to find out where their energy is going right and then ultimately having to pivot to probably the the highest priorities or or something that maybe they weren't thinking about are you seeing uh through your company an increased interest in you an increased search for you or yeah what are, what are you seeing you know in the covid world yeah, I mean, look, I mean, COVID's a good example. <clears throat> I was speaking with a, um, also also as a chief product officer um, at an organization um, relatively recently. Still, um, it's a decent sized company, a couple thousand people, and they had you know four big initiatives happening in response to COVID. And the CEO asked this, this product officer, was like, hey, like, where do we, where, you know, where do we stand and all this stuff? And, um, and it took the guy two days to go figure it out. And he even has two people whose full-time job, kind of product ops, right? Like full-time job it is, is to kind of parachute into various teams kind of choose which standups to join and like get the status of everything and kind of report um that shouldn't that really just shouldn't be necessary um it, it should be pretty obvious what's happening in an organization and it's hard it's it's hard as companies get bigger so yeah alignment is a is a massive challenge for companies and that visibility breaks down um as you go 
an organization. And uh, I think there's there's massive need. So we definitely get a response. Yeah. I think that the challenge for us has been like abstracting, like kind of translating, as you can imagine, you know, the, the language and things being used in systems like JIRA and Asana are very often very technical or not even necessarily like, I don't mean technical as in, you know, um, you know, uh, in, it, but it's often like engineering speak or marketing speak. But the goal here is to be able to abstract and kind of translate that so that you make those systems legible across an organization, kind of up and across an organization. So anybody can see like, oh, this team is, this, this, all these people are working on Vietnamese translation. Well, that can show up in a lot of different ways inside of a system. Um, so creating that kind of translation layer and then getting it to be abstracted at the right layer, at the right level to actually show business level insights for leadership and not just um, feature level work is, uh, is tricky. Yeah. So I think that's really where 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 we're focused is is getting those themes to be abstract, translated and abstracted at the right level to be kind of business level insights. Yeah. It's a, so even looking at your website, you know, there were four words that I think were on the on the on the head, but it was lead more, manage less. And and I I'm interested to know through the companies that have started using Mighty Labs and like what what are you seeing as a result as far as some of the you know what as far as the i guess is it time saved for managers is it is it are, are you seeing people like the actual the makers the people doing the work are you seeing them maybe are you seeing them more aligned are you even seeing maybe and i'm not sure if you have um this this insight but are you seeing quicker pivots or uh more frequent pivots um change of initiatives or themes of, of work more often yeah, I mean, I think we're we're you know still pretty early, but gathering yeah. a lot of those those types of anecdotes now. But I, I think what you see is a time, you know, time saved is you know one. But to me, that's kind of a there's real ROI there, no doubt. But um, but the higher order problem you're solving is enabling conversations to happen much sooner, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, to go back to our example, like is Vietnamese translation, should that be sucking up 60% of, of engineering and products energy? Like, is that, is that right? Um, so enabling those really rapid course corrections and, and just kind of this, this kind of learning loop. So OKRs really aren't the learning loops that, that organizations need. Um, and so what we're trying to do is create this kind of constant uh, learning loop for an organization so that, that leaders can, you know, we talked about purpose earlier. Um, and I mentioned that purpose should be this kind of ultimate kind of constant uh, check, you know, and balance against any project that's happening or any, any, any new initiative. Um, well, I think Mighty kind of serves that that purpose in, in creating this uh, this information flow and this visibility that enables leadership to have those conversations earlier and faster and, and constantly kind of be 
course correcting as opposed to like bigger chunks of time going by, right? Where at the end of a quarter, you all come back and report on some OKR, although that's, that's great and it's super important. But what happened in those three months, you know, leading up to that? And, and what about kind of just week to week? Can you get this, this briefing that enables people to, um, to course correct much faster? Definitely is, you know, time saver in the sense that you, um, you know, maybe you can skip a meeting or two this week because you already have the information. Um, but maybe you make better choices about where, where you spend your time. Yeah. And instead of asking managers, right, to like sit and, and fill out these reports, um, sorry, my lights went off, fill out these reports, um, you know, they literally they spend so much time every week um, doing that. Uh, Mighty's goal is to, is to capture uh, that, that information already and save that person's time. They can stay, you know, managers should spend as much time coaching and developing people as they are reporting, right? It's a fixed pie um, of time is fixed as much as we don't want it to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that, Josh. I mean, it seems to, this, this is, you know, a really great area of like real time insights, right? Because even if there are many organizations that don't, you know, they have annual planning, they don't have iterative planning, major problem. Uh, some don't have a, a way of seeing the OKRs across teams, major problem. But even a company that has both of those in place, this allows day-to-day, week-to-week insights about, you know, where people, you know, where, where yeah, themes are going or trend, new trends. It could be customer insights they're gaining, right? And you start to see certain themes come out from, from certain teams around um, what, what they're hearing from customers, for example, allowing them to have, like you said, critical conversations, maybe, maybe important pivots. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I think our, our biggest, given the work we're doing around language and themes, probably the biggest request we get is, you know, can you point this, can you point, can you point your algorithms, like your, your thematic um, kind of language work? Can you, can you point that at all of my customer emails? Can you point that at, at our, at all the notes we take in Salesforce? Cause we're taking unstructured data, right? Like it's not, I mean, the, the energy calculation is, is um, both uses counts against uh, verbiage and, and language, but it also uses very structured data because there's a lot of, you know, pointing and all sorts of things that happen inside of agile teams. Um, but thematically what a lot of people want is like the question they want to answer is like, what should we build? You know, where, what are our best ideas? Where should we focus? So here it's kind of this alignment between research and development. So mm -hmm. we're, we've kind of tackled the, the, the D side, right? Like here's what work is happening to drive, you know, your purpose uh, as an organization. Um, but aligning aligning with customers is just as important as aligning, you know, internally. So there's kind of this internal versus external alignment. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if or when we'll get to that, but, you know, the thing is like the best ideas and, and um, 
customer feedback and the themes of, of those ideas. And you shouldn't just be connected through serendipity, right? Like this salesperson happened to hear this and they try to communicate to product about it, but you know, it's very anecdotal. How many other people have said that? We well, don't really know because it's just one salesperson or one CS, mm -hmm. right? So how many, how often is that feature or that problem being expressed by customers? Like those, those questions come up, come up quite a bit too. It's like, what is the, what is this, the thematic yeah. that we're being asked to go as well? I mean, it's not, it's not to say that business wouldn't get there in, in the end, right? But this is all about speed. Maybe too late, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Too late. Like the world is just innovating too fast. Like if you, if you can't have uh, sort of a, a responsive organization to your customers, it's not just what you are building is what you should be. And you have to be paying attention to those themes, right? Yeah. I think there's certainly some powerful you know, benefits from yeah, seeing the what the employees, what the colleagues are, are really um, working on and thinking about and innovating. Uh, but the customer, yeah, what you can imagine yeah. the future, right, is a is a the same system that's kind of pointed at mm -hmm. all that customer feedback and all those Salesforce notes and all those, you know, maybe intercom, um, but you know, pulling out the themes against that and kind of directly drawing lines or showing breakages between like what you're hearing and what you're actually working on. Yeah. Um, like how aligned is that? And yeah. That's the question. I mean, a really great example of that this year, I think in companies is um, let's say for example, just the area and put significant important area of um, black owned businesses, for example, um, people want to figure out, well, how do we serve that particular, you know, customer um, in a different way and in a more meaningful way. Um, and so people are, yeah, I guess the platform is, is trying to listen, right. And, and observe, well, what are people talking about? What are people, what type of questions are they entering into, um, into the design sprints? You know, what ifs, um, I, I mean, just to speed up that process, what are, what are the people saying on the ground? What are, our, what are our black customers actually saying about our products or about products they don't have that they wish they had? And you're talking about getting, I suppose, longer term to a, to a place where you've, you know, you validated with employees, you validated with customers and you're getting to decision-making um, much quicker in, yeah. in, in areas that are important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, like riffing, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, but, but I, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, there are signals all over an organization, uh, as to where they're focused and, um, and language is a big, is a big part of that. Um, you know, our, our, if, if focusing on black owned businesses to use your example is, is a really important theme for an organization this quarter. Um, I don't know how, how often is that being talked about? Is it, is it actually a focus or are we just kind of like paying lip service to it? Um, yeah. Those are hard, hard questions to answer. Yeah. And I, Sorry, I was going to say, I was just going to say that I think it's interesting because you, you, you definitely mentioned language a couple of times and translation a couple of times. It's, I think it's, I even saw that on your, on your website as well. And that's what it, it feels like 
there's the, it's this, it's this, I don't, I don't want to say like this purpose translator, but it, like it's it, like this idea of translating the customer, the customer needs and in, into, you know, these, these actionable, actionable themes or these target areas. And then you're translating, you know, what the work is going back up to that. And, and like from my, from what I've seen, like just the, this, just that simple translation into a language that, that anybody can, can understand and, and read and relate to, like I can imagine saves a ton of time, but you know, we're getting there. I mean, it's a super yeah. gnarly problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I mean, look, I, it's funny when you, when you get into product and you start talking to customers and, you know, we have been for a few years now, like you see a lot of white space, like there's so much, there's so much opportunity out there to solve really interesting problems. And some of them are, you know, not easy. Nothing's easy. Like, mm. like make sure that's clear, <laughs> but uh, there are, plenty of problems out there that uh, you could tackle, you know, relatively quickly. Um, but, you know, I find for myself, like the, the, the gnarlier, the problem kind of the more interesting. And I think, you know, that's the, the venture to, to really generate real venture returns. I mean, like really hard gnarly problems is it and you know you may you may um you may not be able to do it but like i I think those are the problems worth worth tackling whether it's you know workplace alignment purpose or you know climate change you know i think there's there's really big problems out there and and the future looks very different It, it should look different than it does today yeah I like that the the gnarly the gnarly challenges like so so I I I can relate to that I think that's that's a motivating thing right I think it's it's going to keep you motivated for a longer period of time I think when it's a, a a bigger problem to solve what else kind of motivated you or or still motivates you around what Mighty Lab is trying to do other than yeah it's a big challenge but what about like the core problem that I think you, you got attached to originally maybe even motivated you to, to, to focus on this specific problem when there's all those other problems out there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I think I'm, I've always been uh, motivated by problems that are kind of related to humans, I I guess. Like I, I think, um, you know, in, in this regard, like we've talked a lot about the organizational problem um, and, and problems for leadership. But as I mentioned before, like to me, this is a very long-term, a very long-term play here. Is it meaning like if you can capture and understand how, how and where like kind of value is being created in an organization, if you can start there and get that, then you can start to channel and actually put people or recommend people go into the right places at the right time to, uh, you know, to achieve their purpose. And so like the, my long-term goal here really is um, very much human driven, um, but you have to start and that's kind of measuring understanding, you know, how value is created. And then, and then you can start to kind of channel that. So like I, I still find myself very motivated and thinking daily about and you know 
product team is constantly like, you know, raining, raining me back. But like, I, um, I'm still very motivated by the human problem here, which is that we spend, you know, we spend so much of our life working, uh, understanding how to deploy your highest and best self at work is uh, hard. And I think super important. And I think that AI can augment that ability in the future where so many things are kind of, are kind of automated that people can be freed up to, to, to do their best work, creative work. Um, and so that's the long-term mm-hmm. long-term goal. And that's why I remain kind of human motivated. I mean, Josh, you probably have other questions. I'm super interested in this area, but like, where did that come from, that interest? Um, how far back can you kind of relate to like seeing that as a problem or an opportunity you wanted to solve? Um, it's a good question. I'm kind of trying to really rapidly psychologize my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember... I think, I don't know, I, th- I think in many efforts as a, even as a, as a child, probably, you know, whether it's sports teams or, or elsewhere, I probably had patterns like this pop up, but I remember thinking really deeply about it when, you know, out of college, I, it sounds like completely unrelated, but I, I was in investment banking and people don't really think about it this way, but banking, you know, investment banking is a services organization, right? So, you know, they don't use this language, but it's really just like highly dynamic, really fluid teams that get together around various projects, right? It's like you spin up a team around this M&A deal, you spin up a team around this equity deal, you spin up a team around this pitch or this client opportunity, whatever it is. And these teams are constantly coming together and going apart, right? And um, as I became more and more senior, I, I ended up managing, you know, a an entire group of junior folks, you know, right out of college, right out of business school. And it was my job to, to kind of staff people to projects and, um, you know, engagement, I think was low turnover was high. And I tried to figure out new ways of doing that in in ways that aligned with, you know, you don't, very few people go into banking with a, a passion for finance. They go there to learn something really specific. Um, and so, you know, I interviewed folks and tried to figure out what they really wanted to learn. I even had a sheet of things they were supposed to learn over the two years or three years or whatever of the program. And um, tried to start building teams with those things in mind, you know, and I think people just engage deeper w- at work when they're, when they're motivated by, uh, by learning and creativity and, and you know, kind of deep, more aligns with their, their purpose. Right. And yeah. so I think that's where it kind of really landed. I was like, okay, if you can, if you can organize in this way, um, in it, you know, while remaining aligned to the actual work that needs to get, to, you know, that needs to be done, um, it's better for the individual. They're more engaged. They're learning more. Uh, they feel more fulfilled and you're achieving, the the goals of the organization that's that alignment that i'm talking about i think it's mm. possible um services is a little bit different um though than than what i call you know product companies which have 
you know, aren't as transactional, meaning that if they have longer term project, longer term goals, longer term, uh, uh, you know, initiatives they're trying to create. So um, it works a little bit differently, but the, the goal is the same, but you kind of first have to understand the, the work that's being done needs to be done and, um, and create that visibility first, as we talked about, and then you can kind of go into channeling people. In, mm. in well, I, I find that super motivating though, that that's your long-term play though. And I think that even this year has, has emphasized and, and the next many years has emphasized that, you know, people, the fact that you can work anywhere and, and you know, millions of people will be working uh, not from their offices anymore um, in big companies, especially. Um, those teams can be, you know, you can move teams around and individuals around much more easily, right? They don't have to move to a new country or a new state. Um, they, if their passion, and I think you're talking about purpose, you know, passion, skills, maybe all of those things and matching them to where they can make the maximum contribution. Good for business, good for customers, good for the individual human, right? Um, I think I find that pretty motivating that that's your. Yeah, I do too. Uh, the, the trick is that you, like the, the stability, the operating, the, op, the kind of the operational stability of an organization, like you have companies who operate this way already, right? Like very, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, call it holacracy or, or ad hocracy or, you know, all these very fluid uh, organizations out there. It's a small market right now. Um, and so like introducing any risk to kind of the stability of teams um, is, is not a, a massive play right now. But so what you would, that's why we kind of had to back into mm -hmm. where to tackle the problem first is around alignment. And then you can start like improving uh, things um, on the edges and then go deeper and deeper. I think the world will, will get there. Yeah. Well, so we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, something that maybe some people don't know about you is, you know, from, from 13 to 18, you worked at a sawmill and <laughs> there, I, I, I find that interesting. And I wonder if you can kind of talk to us about why you were working at a sawmill and yeah, how you then left the sawmill to go to school and eventually <laughs> lead on to. to it wasn't really my choice at the time of yeah. something like I, uh, as I mentioned to you before, like I, I really vividly remember, um, I, was, I think I was around 12. Um, and my dad came home from work early. I remember where I was sitting in the house. It was unusual, you know, like three or whatever in the afternoon. And he walks in, I was and uh, and tells me, you know, I, I quit my job today and I'm starting a company. And I, I like really vividly remember that. And not really knowing what that meant or the risk he was taking at the time or, or any of those things. Um, I think it was a formative experience. And, uh, you know, I don't think I thought about it that way at the time, but looking back, I do. And, um, you know, he was in the lumber trade and he started a, he started a sawmill and, um, and it became, you know, duty bound uh, kid at the time to help wherever I could. And, you know, in those very early days, it was, you know, middle of winter, like, you know, welding, 
<laughs> building, helping build machines to uh, in the hot summer, you know, stacking lumber and pulling lumber and like, you know, doing all the things that happen in a, in a, in a lumber plant. And um, it was super hard work. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, I think I learned a lot. I mean, I, those, those um, watching him try to build this company and, and uh, be on the brink a few times. Um, and kind of understanding, I think the effort that goes into that and the, 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 the passion that goes into it. Um, and how much he cared about people and, and seeing that daily, right? Like, cause I was there. Um, it also taught me that I think the value of college and uh, <laughs> like that I didn't really, you know, want to work. I was in the front lines, right? I mean, like lowly, the, the lowest person on the totem pole in that number of plants from most of my childhood. And I, and I, uh, I think I realized I wanted something different than that too, uh, which probably was helpful, but it taught me a lot about work, hard work. And, um, you know, it was a, a good experience that, that, that. Yeah. I love that. Do, do you have kids? I do. I have, I have three little girls. Are you, are you, uh, when they're, when they're ready, are you going to put them, put them to work at Mighty Labs and <laughs> teach them? <laughs> we all started sawmill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. I mean, actually I, I talked to them quite a bit about what I'm doing. I talked to them about my fears. I, mm. I, was, I mean, I, uh, they don't know everything I know about the pressure I feel and stress, but I, um, I, I try to communicate a lot about those things to them and, and, you know, part of it is just so they know, like, look, take big risks, take risk. Um, I'm doing something that I think is important. I talk a lot about passion and, and purpose and the fear that I feel and the, you know, and, and I do try to get involved. One of my little girls is a, is a kind of a budding artist and, and I'll, you know, she likes design. So I'll send little give her a little project of something to create and she'll you know be like give me 10 you know 10 revs of this and she'll come back with 10 different designs of you know some little button or some you know um caricature or, or something like that and um i'll be like cool give me 10 more and we'll start going through and circling the ones we like and talking about why so i don't know i guess on some level i try to get him involved whether it's just um kind of understanding the emotional fortitude and the, the grit that has to go into taking risk, the importance of passion and, um, and then some actual projects, I guess. Here, there. None of her stuff has made it into the product. But. <laughs> the shedding, they enjoy being, I think, involved. Yeah. The uh, fear, I'm sure, like, I'm interested in that. Like, is there anything that you're uniquely scared about beyond just entrepreneurship, anything within the world of, of mighty labs or, or what you guys are trying to tackle anything that, that you're trying to push through right now? I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, so many things I think are hard and, um, you know, making sure that you, build the right product and um, have the right team around you 
is uh, a lot harder than it sounds. You know, you can have a vision in mind and um, team is everything. It really is. And I think uh, being able to move fast enough in a focused enough way and, and, and build the right thing, there's a lot that has to come together for that. And it's just so much harder than I think people uh, than people realize. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said at the top, like I, you know, I mean, like I, I watched my father create a business, right? And I, even then, you know, I'm young and stupid. Like I, I didn't. While I heard it, looking back now, I, I can see the patterns of pressure and stress and hard, you know, hard work. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think. Um, you can really appreciate it until you try to do it, right? And I think, um, and so like, like I said at the top, like I don't care if it's a lemonade stand, a sawmill or a software company, like full respect to anybody that gives something a shot. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think uh, we could probably try to wrap up on on that. No, yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty uplifting. I, I, I feel it, I think. I can definitely relate to, I think the challenge of, you know, I can definitely get passionate and feel purpose around certain things, but it's a question of, well, is this the thing that the world wants right now? That's so, you know, I don't know. It disconcerts me a little bit. Right. I think, and I think a lot of other people could potentially relate to that as well, but I, I, I love the idea of just, you know, tackling big challenges and, and it's cool to see, see what you're doing um, and see how that connects back to individuals within organizations, then going off and tackling big challenges as well, because they see how that connects back to, I think, you know, ultimately what the company's trying to achieve. And I don't know, it, it kind of all comes full circle. And I, I think it's pretty cool. But anyway, um, any, any last questions, Spencer, anything else that you want to say? Um, is there any book that you can recommend um, to our listeners based on the types of things you've been talking about or the things that have helped you? um you know leading into 2021 oh um <laughs> you know i read stuff that people probably aren't that interested in i mean i i guess there's a there's a leadership book that i feel really strongly about um but like i spend i spend a lot of time i don't even know why like i I, uh, I find most business books that I read are, you know, 250 pages and they should be like 25. Um, mm -hmm. You can get value, but it's like, it's hard to you know, like pick your spots. Um, so I still find myself in my undergrad was in philosophy. So I still find myself like revisiting some of those, those thinkers. And, um, but once in a while, there are books that pop out. I, I think there's actually a company in, in Utah. There's written by a company in Utah. Um, but the, I think the book leader, Leadership and Self-Deception, I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but there's, um, it's around culture and leadership. And um, it, I think one reason I like it a lot is because uh, there's, I think there's some philosophical underpinnings there that, that I think are really important. And that is, uh, really treating others as humans, not objects, and mm. fundamental to uh, to being a human, but especially being a leader of an organization. Um, like I have a hard and fast rule here: like we, 
you know, given the space we're in, you hear the word resources come a lot, come up a lot, right? And, and like, we do not call people resources here. And, uh, and, and I think understanding, understanding that is, is really important. And I think uh, that's a good book, I think, that talks about um, organizational, cultural alignment and um, treating others as humans. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great stuff. Have you ever heard of um, Chasing Confidences or Chasing Confidence by Nate Walkinshaw? Yeah, I know Nate. You know well. Nate. You know yeah. what? He may have recommended that we speak to you. I can't, we can't remember. He was our first guest. Um, oh, and we really? met him for a few years, but he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's been a, he's been a help. And uh, you know, when I first moved to Utah, I moved here from San Francisco a couple of years ago. And uh, I can't remember who introduced us, but somebody said like within the first week or two I moved here they're like the guy you got to meet is Nate <laughs> and uh he's he's great very smart good stuff um can you let us, uh, our listeners know how how they can contact you or you know your company yeah you just uh, shoot me a note anytime uh brent at, at mightylabs.com fantastic Pretty josh any- I mean, I've been through some hard things and changes in product and come from a different industry and um, we've had some organizational challenges I had a co-founder pass away along the way and I think Hmm. you know there there's a lot to talk about about trying to trying to build something from scratch and dealing with challenges so um, you know I think mental health is a big passion of mine too people need to reach out like I think uh, Hmm through hard hard things is takes a village so feel free excellent yeah great insights and we'd love to talk to you again and and, and see how your journey continues to progress and and uh, develops uh, thank you for your time thank you appreciate it thanks for hanging out with us we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the swell podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast sign up to our newsletter at theswellpod.com and get in on the conversation through all major socials at the swell pod we'll see you next time